the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. We meet again. We do. I'm Emily, here with Jim. We're here on a Tuesday afternoon to um, evaluate your sermon from this past Sunday. Sounds novel and delicious. <laughs> Evaluating. I don't know. I'm in, um, I'm, I guess I'm in college mode. We just dropped Josiah off. We are. Back in college. I'm going to mention that in the sermon coming up this Sunday. <laughs> Thinking a lot about school. I wouldn't want to be back in school. Yeah, it's an so interesting question. a lot of pressure. I think some people would love to be back in high school or college. Other people would not be. Mm-hmm. What, who, who are you? <laughs> a mixed bag. <laughs> Wait, if you were to go back to any year, what year would it be? Tenth grade. <laughs> Tenth grade is, that is a good year. You um, kind of have figured out high school life. You know what you're about to do. The pressures of junior and senior year are not upon you, so you can kind of just enjoy life. You were probably driving in 10th grade. Oh, yeah. Mr. In New Orleans, Louisiana. you can drive whenever you want. <laughs> you can do anything, anytime, whenever you want in New Orleans. How old were you when you first drove? 14. That's incredible. It was all legal. Everything can above board. Can you imagine board. our 14-year-old driving on a highway? <laughs> no. <laughs> I do have the funny story about getting three driver's licenses in one week for the purposes of making fake IDs for oh my gosh. various and sundry people. I do. I remember that story. Um, That's when TSA first flagged me. Yeah. That <laughs> has not changed ever since. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's jump in. Um, you were... Where are we? <laughs> we are... Why this sermon? Why this Sunday? This is your Genesis chapter 21... As I like pull out my sermon, my your the bulletin, right? Um, didn't have my notebook, so my bulletin is full of scratch marks. Um, you need a super note. I know the we yeah you haven't you haven't gotten funding from them as a advertiser, so <laughs> you can't talk about it. It is true. <laughs> um, yeah, you had some nostalgia starting at the beginning, but um, overall, big picture, what was this sermon about? What was on your heart? Well. As I mentioned at some point under the first point M, talking about how I enjoy vacationing with you to luxuriate in your presence and do a little small talk, which we don't get to do a ton of. Except here on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is probably more small talk. Is that true? Do we do more small talk on the podcast um, than in real I life? I do start off. Do, do you consider what we just did small talk? Yes. I mean, it's kind of bantering. I feel like we do banter occasionally. Maybe not as maybe not as much. Maybe you're right. Hmm. The small talk, talking about, yeah, you do talk about. You try to talk about sports with me. Um, <laughs> it's a quixotic a endeavor. <laughs> daily, daily basis, almost daily basis. When I walk by, and that's what you're doing, you will try to. I'll complain about sports talk. in your presence. I don't actively try to engage you on a daily basis about sports topics. That's two Debatable. different things. Okay. 
think you would do even more. I think you you give me Twitter tw- Twitter knowledge level, even though you're not on Twitter. I think that um, the pieces of info that you give me are like your attempt at, or you're speaking Twitter into my life. And so I, I do think we small talk. Okay. Is what I try to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, be that as it may, with sermon prep for this sermon, Genesis 21 verses 22 to 34. Small talk passage. Midway through the preparation process, when I was kind of thinking, not in a stressed out way, I guess I've done enough sermons and had enough reps that I don't generally get stressed out with the, oh no, what am I going to say sort of question. I figure something out, but was kind of thinking, oh, there's this is not a super important passage, which got mm-hmm. me thinking about the small town Small Town Talk. That's a Bobby Charles album, a Louisiana artist from the early 70s. This is a small talk text. By contrast, was struck by, hey, as I think about this meeting between Abimelech and Abraham, this could give me a lot of opportunity to talk about the dynamics of grace. Mm -hmm. So the sermon passage studying, which was a little tedious with a passage like this, not super exciting, became meditative upon the grace that we receive in Jesus midway through. Okay, that is an interesting um, kind of big picture frame upon the sermon. Yeah. Um, anything particular that is is was speaking to you about um, wanting our congregation right now to hear about grace? Let's keep going, and we'll speak of some of those very things. Okay, well, presence of the Lord, then. what? Tell us more about this particular passage. How did you spot um, grace in it, in this mundane um, encounter? Yeah, one question, and then I'll more directly address. So the one one thing that I did, did give me a little bit of pause this week, and Emma, I don't know if this is a question that keeps you up at night, but it's one that I've pondered in various times and places as a preacher, is the preacher obligated, if the sermon's going to be expository, that means being based on a passage of scripture, does the main point of the sermon need to match up with the main point of any given text? And for the most part, I'll say yes to that, but I think with biblical narrative, you have a little bit more freedom. So the main point of this passage, this meeting between Abimelech and Abraham for the purposes of a non-aggression pact treaty or covenant is a demonstration or a showing that Abraham as God develops his covenant promises to him is given a measure of geopolitical safety and security mm-hmm. in, in the land. So, so, so that, boring. that's the main point. Now, if because there we was, all love geopolitics. <laughs> if there was no wiggle room as far as do I have to major the sermon on what the major of the passage is, then I guess I am talking about the importance of geopolitical security. For, for Abraham. Yeah, I guess so. I have no idea where I would take that thrust as a sermon. But midway through, like I mentioned, as I thought about what really is sort of a strange dynamic. So this peace treaty is formed, this peace covenant. Abraham, for reasons we're not quite sure about, is in the position of power here, which is a flip from the beginning of Genesis chapter 20, when Abimelech has more power, but it's these ingredients. Abraham is in a position of strength and power in relation to Abimelech. He's the superior, Abimelech's the inferior. 
it's Abraham that's wronged when it's Abimelech's people that sees a well, but then it's Abraham that proceeds with a gracious gift. And I don't think any of the commentators I looked, or all of the commentators I looked at describe those dynamics. None of them specifically mentioned what became my light bulb moment. Like, hey, that's how Jesus acts with us. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is in a position of strength and power towards us. He's been wronged because we sin against him. Like David says in Psalm 51, against you, you only have I sinned. But then our triune God gives us the gift of Jesus instead. And so that felt sturdy enough upon which to build a sermon. And so I did. <laughs> if you don't know the answer, the answer is Jesus. Grace. <laughs> Basically. What, what are other, uh, I don't disagree or I do see this in the text. Yeah. Um, but what did other commentaries, like what were they extracting out from this passage as, as like sermon texts? Yeah. What are people doing? Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't have an answer. Sort of like when Brad asked me, what does Sailor mean? Uh-huh. I just say, I don't know. So there's two different types of commentator of commentaries. Some are more academic that really give very, very little advice for preachers. Mm-hmm. And then there are some other sorts of commentaries that either explicitly or occasionally, or, or every passage or occasionally give pointers and advice for, hey, this is how you would either preach specifically or more generally like apply mm-hmm. a Bible text. It's that second set of commentaries that I avoid completely. So I, I have, don't even have them. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't want to be the influence. How? That's right. Yeah. And there's not a right or wrong answer to that. There are other preachers that just make it their habit to like listen to other sermons about a passage before mm-hmm. they preach on a given one. I, I, I tend not to do that. So yeah, I, I really have no idea. How other people take okay. this take, take this passage, but the <laughs> emphasis on the commentaries is the geopolitical security stuff. And then uh, one little tidbit to mention here as well: there's some text critical skepticism about this passage on the basis of the word Beersheba. Uh-huh. So this this place is called Beersheba. It can either mean place of the seven oaths or place of the seven ewes, the ewe lambs. Uh And because there is a double naming of this passage, scholars will, some scholars will tend to think this is an amalgamated passage that comes from a lot of different places. And if it was, if this story really happened originally as it was portrayed here, you wouldn't have that double name. Either it comes from the seven U's or the oaths, but who knows? Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll simply say, uh-huh. I, I don't think, I, I think that's setting up a false dichotomy where it, I think it's arbitrary to say, well, it, it can't have roots in both of these directions. Sure. So okay. anyway, you, well, you asked yeah. the question. <laughs> and it, it relates to, and if we go to jump to muddying the waters, it kind of does relate to this, um, the context that you're trying to engage in terms of like your first illustration with your mm-hmm. friend and you being the, the pastor expert who says you don't know things. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, true enough. So I, I think that it's, it is interesting to think about the nuances or the small details in scripture that are kind of lost to time that sometimes you just don't know the answer to. Yeah, what I'm even more surprised by, and I mentioned that 
the Psalms include all of these, especially in the superscription, mm-hmm. liturgical and musical terms that people don't know, like Selah. Um, I'm surprised that it, it such knowledge did not survive within Judaism mm-hmm. when when there is such a, or not that the life of Jewish and Israelites people has has been easy, straightforward, and smooth over the sure. centuries, but there's enough continuity that, I don't know, and maybe there's more to the story that I don't know within Judaism, but that even among Jewish scholars, there's a lot of question marks about what Selah, Maskel, Miktam, Gintith, Shigeon, etc. You know, I, I, you did that same thing last week with German words. You like, or like kind of rattled off German words. Oh yeah, that, so that like is this, a similar. This year was, or this week was Hebrew. <laughs> was wondering what was next. I enjoy, I enjoy words. <laughs> words my, are fun. My prediction is Latin. That will Pen, be mightier, sword. Uh, <laughs> um, we're just speaking of those, this concept though, Sela, that your introduction and um, the context that you're trying to connect with, like um, this, this idea of addressing people who maybe assume that you know all aspects of scripture <laughs> or assume that the Bible is like that. I, I, I don't know. What are, what are, how, what are you trying to say well, to someone who expects these things to be known? The Bible's a big book and there's a lot of complications. And then specifically, I'm in some ways mentioning Selah and all these Psalter terms was simply a lark to get to the specific musical and liturgical term, do not destroy. Oh, he, he, yeah. Where, and so it comes out. Yeah, that's, 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 that had nothing to do with the deeper context yeah, of your sermon. It was just a little appetizer to, to get to the tune of, so when I was constructing the introduction and thinking about this whole idea, which does connect with muddying the waters, is God obligated automatically, no matter what, to love me and only give me grace and mercy. Hmm. That, that was the wrestling point uh, where... Abraham was not obligated to proceed graciously and with a gifted cost to Abimelech, but he chose anyway as an act of grace and condescension. I think in our Western mindset, and I mentioned this during the sermon, we'll tend to think that if there is any type of God or divinity at all, that divinity must be well disposed towards us because we're so awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's just not necessarily... Well, it's not a biblical idea, sure. but also it's not a majority report idea going around the world when there's most cultures around the world throughout the ages that mm-hmm. would question whether the divinity needs to be well disposed towards us because we don't dispose ourselves well with with one another. Okay. So the tune, Do Not Destroy, whatever that would have sounded like musically, mm-hmm. makes sense as a Psalter descriptor. And biblical worldview more broadly, but having a note in the symphony of how God deals with us, do not destroy, doesn't make a whole lot of sense mm-hmm. in present contexts. So that was the where that was your where, framework. Yeah. But wait, how do I now? I'm like now I'm even confusing myself yep. or, because I didn't write it down. Like what? How did you connect that to the passage? <laughs> the. <laughs> Okay, let's let's try to park the car again. Uh, how did I connect what to the passage? This concept of the do not destroy, God, fear God. Yeah. Part do, to the passage. Does 
we we fear God not only because he loves us, but with another layer on top of that, we fear God because he loves us while understanding that he didn't need to love us, mm. but chose to anyway. Mm-hmm. And so when Abraham saw that his wells had been seized by Abimelech's men, Abraham could have moved in the direction of destroying and taking back and avenging the wrong. Mm-hmm. But Abraham acts according to the tune of do not destroy towards Abimelech here when he's wronged, could have avenged, but chose not to and gave a gracious gift instead. Got That's it. how Jesus proceeds with us where uh, we're not, we don't deserve the love and grace, but but we're giving it, we're giving it anyway. Got it. Whew. All right. <laughs> a lot of good work here. I, I, I didn't spend a ton of time on it, but uh-huh. this Western hubris idea, <laughs> I mentioned something about colonialism. I don't uh-huh. know if you caught that. Where, uh-huh. where, okay, if we think, of course, God automatically needs to love us because we're so awesome. I didn't develop the idea and I hadn't really thought about it before this week. That's kind of the idea behind colonialism, where we just think we're automatically awesome we'll and everybody else yeah, yeah. needs to be subject to us. So if you think that's an awesome idea... That also had some pretty negative consequences in our world as well. So question your assumptions. And then the the flip side of God being gracious to us as Abraham was gracious to to Abimelech, there's this dynamic of grace where grace is completely free, but it also makes a complete claim on our lives, not rendering grace not grace, Mm -hmm. but totally free but then makes an absolute claim as well which which is on the dynamic of this passage where abraham says these seven ewe lambs to abimelech you will take from my hand that this may be a witness for me that i dug this well so here is like an incredibly extravagant gift towards you abimelech and oh by the way you're releasing your claim on the well mm-hmm. um sort of like grace a completely free and extravagant gift makes all the difference in the world but we are so, called to relinquish mm-hmm. our claim on our own lives yep. as a result right. and i th- that was part of my point of meditation in the past couple of weeks that's really unique i don't know anything like that mm-hmm. good stuff um any Thanks. last thoughts in that section i did mention towards the end as well self-denial is countercultural, drawing on the work of Marx, Marx Sears in Australia, where if if the idea, on one hand, from skeptics towards Christianity is that Christianity is blind conformity, Sears kind of turns it around and says, actually, in this cultural moment, blind conform blind conformity means swallowing hook, line, and sinker the idea that you always need to trust your heart and follow your mm-hmm. desires no matter what. That's the conformist idea. Right, right. And yeah, so I, I think that that's worth, that's worth pondering where there's something actually radically countercultural about saying, hey, I'm not necessarily going to say yes to my heart at every given moment. Yeah. Trusting that God has something, has something better for us. Right. Or your, or your um, illustration of, of what happens during confession. If oh, yeah. nothing happens, that that's like an indication that, um, that we're, we're maybe accepting that, that cultural context of 
we're fine. I don't have anything to confess. Yeah, that's good. I, I did mention confession. So I was pensioning as liturgist this past Sunday as well. So it gave me an opportunity to Make connect that up. But but you just took it a step further where I said, hey, if nothing happens during confession, you're not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also true to take that a step further and say, if genuinely you think you have nothing to confess before a holy God, you're probably thinking too highly of yourself mm-hmm. and swallowing the idea that I must be awesome all the time. For sure. Yeah. As do the do, work. Do Gotta that. put in the work during confession. <laughs> we do that from age like nine months. <laughs> True. All the way to 90. Yeah. Uh, last thing for me on muddying the waters and... I mentioned towards the end, hey, is grace good news for the world? Which I think is, you know, when Christians move away from the faith, uh, part of the wrestling point is, hey, I'm not sure Christianity is good for the world anymore. It keeps skeptics away. I think grace is great for the world and is necessary for the world. If in so many of our relationships, we are only a step away from treating our friends and family members and loved ones as people that we're comparing or competing against. Mm-hmm. Grace frees us from that. And it actually is a great secret ingredient for doing human community well. And as you mentioned earlier, so this past Sunday was a busier Sunday for me than usual. Eric Mitchell was out of town and I needed to pinch it as is liturgist it's the perfect sunday for me to have to drive all night to (laughs) return a child to to college in new hampshire but josiah is at our alma mater so spending last night and monday morning through midday at at our old stomping grounds gave good points of spiritual reflection for me including some self-awareness so i was on the campus tour again with mike our younger uh or a younger boy who's contemplating potentially going to the same to the same spot just to keep getting the punch card, you know maybe the maybe the eventually the tenth one is free if we keep doing this, but uh, the campus tour guide was talking about hey come to Dartmouth College the possibilities are unlimited you could do this foreign study program or have this great relationship with a professor that will do you know, all these internships and it. I think any college tour, part of it is, hey, if you come here, the world is absolutely your oyster and you can do do everything. I felt myself at one point saying, hey, have I done enough? And if I was here when the sky was completely the limit, have I done all of the awesome things that I should have or could have done with my life based on this 20-year-old <laughs> college tour guide saying, hey, you can do anything you want if you come here but but that became a good opportunity to 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 reflect on grace where to ask the question am i doing enough and being successful enough grace obviates that question and says that's the wrong question it's not are you doing enough and achieving enough are you being faithful enough to the god that is previously faithful to you in jesus for sure are you you? (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying um, bar band cover tunes. Yeah, you already mar- mentioned Mark Sayers, uh, mm-hmm. quoting quoting him. You, you do quote him a lot. Uh, yeah, I quoted him a couple times. 
one thing about the second Sayers quote that I did, he was actually referencing another Christian philosopher, Thomas uh-huh. Molnar, yep. which I didn't include. People who quote the quotes. Yeah, in the in the quote itself. Uh-huh. But just for the purposes of integrity, I, 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 I don't often quote Bible commentators themselves because they can be pretty dry, but there is this nugget, trust in God's grace did not make Paul less active than his opponents, but rather set him free. Now to run without watching his feet, without counting his steps, without competing with other servants of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's uh, more skillfully rendered than most commentators will do things. That was that was Fred Craddock. Also fun to quote the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh-huh. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior. So that's the idea again. Yeah. Grace is completely free, but as we accept that gift, what does that mean? but that we're not our own anymore. And we do have in our Liberty Collingswood functional hymnal, functional hymnal, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing that contains the lyric, O oh, to grace how great a debtor. I forget who wrote Come Thou Fount. Do you remember that, Em? The What a great line, which captures the whole dynamic of grace being totally free, but making an absolute claim. O oh, to grace how great a debtor. Daily, I'm constrained to be. It's a great line. Yeah, there, there's another song, an old hymn that was turned. At Indelible Grace is a ministry out of Nashville that takes old songs and old lyrics and puts new new tunes to them. There's another song in the RUF, if people know what that is, hymnal world, a debtor to mercy alone mm-hmm. is another I song. That. Mm-hmm. Debtor to mercy alone. No, 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 alone. singing. Okay. <laughs> Says Clara. Right. All right. Um, I have Lee Iacocca in your uh, yeah. in our notes where uh, that was a late edition, but noting that you're equating God's grace to Chrysler. <laughs> you know, <laughs> only the best will do. Uh, grace drives a Chrysler. That's the name of my autobiography right there. And you were equating yourself. Speaking to of could have Lee, Lee Iacocca. Have I done enough for Chrysler? Oh yeah, so so the line there, Iacocca famously in the 80s, starred in Chrysler commercials as the president and CEO of the company, which was unusual at the time before. Dave Thomas, the when the Wendy's guy, Showed up was in, in his Wendy's own commercials. commercials. It was Lee Iacocca. Mm-hmm. They said it couldn't be done, but then he did it. Famous tagline, all these great Chrysler products, if you can find a better car, buy it. Oh, love it. Oh, man, what an American cowboy that... Greek ball of energy, Lee Iacocca was. Yeah, and and then had had my nice little pop culture fun. Got an Avengers reference, Cap, Thor, Iron Man. I I, I didn't write that one down. God can't avenge. So we're basically saying that Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, Black Widow. When you said God can't avenge, that was a quote. That was an allusion to Marvel. No, but I just explicitly said the damn names of. All those Avengers. So, yeah, you you must have I blacked out there yeah. for a second. That's totally Clara fine. Clara may have been whispering to me okay. at that point. Speaking of Clara, our daughter, I, I put a Ferris Bueller reference in the sermon. She also missed that, that one. she also missed. I didn't inflect it in the same yeah. way. So that's how it is in their family. Mm-hmm. Um, she told me that she was disapproving when she was talking, when you were saying, like, you'll come to her with for deeper connection, asking what's on, what's on, well, when you come to me and ask what's on my heart, like, that's yeah. the deeper connection point. She looked at me and she said, I thought he just said that to me. I, I, I changed the wording on purpose, so 
I, I will often ask Clara, Clara, what is on your mind and on your heart? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, 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 don't actually, I, I don't actually say it in the same way to you. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Clara, you, you do have specific that is true. loving I'll, I'll, words I'll, I'll from your heart. Clara, what is in your mind and on your heart? And then I also gave a Star Wars reference. These these are not the Shocking. droids you're looking for. Move along. <laughs> all those references. We are would for never you. know. Would never know. They're if all I... for you, baby. <laughs> um, any leftovers stories behind last week? So be on the lookout for a new blog post that I think we'll release on Thursday morning. My, me talking about why I was so crushingly disappointed. Mm by the Springsteen show from a couple of weeks ago, but I found redemption in the temple of the soul rebels from last (laughs) Thursday night. It was a spectacular show. So I got my mojo back and it's working just fine after the soul rebels came through town. (laughs) 504 representing. Glad you think so. Um, (laughs) Helen Wolves? Not this week. Okay. Talk to, talk to Jim Anger, right, right. to what, what is our address? Pussonthebluz at gmail.com. <laughs> if you want to hear more about um, the Soul Rebels mm. or anything else. Yeah. <laughs> How was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching post mortem, production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post Sunday blues. Here comes some pre Sunday happy. Well,